I'd like to recap a little some of the instructions and perhaps provide you with an image for our meditation practice that might be helpful. So the very first evening, we talked a bit first about posture, that it's possible to, to practice in four different postures. Three of them are really suitable for the meditation hall, especially if you're in a group, which is sitting and standing and lying down. And then, of course, you are all familiar with walking, the fourth, as its own particular kind of practice. So looking at all of you, those of you I can see on the screen, which is not the whole group, looks like most people are sitting. And perhaps sitting on a cushion, cross-legged, or kneeling on it, or kneeling on a bench, or sitting in a chair. And that probably is the most common because it's stable and it's still. We talked a lot about lying down as an alternative, uh, especially for people who have issues with their body and for whom sitting is, if not, if, if possible, which sometimes, of course, it is not, at least it's very difficult. We didn't talk too much about standing, but standing is also an acceptable posture. And in fact, there are monasteries in Thailand, I'm told, where they do almost nothing else except standing practice. And it's a very useful practice if you're sleepy and need to bring some extra alertness because it isn't as stable as sitting. It's easy to wobble and that... (laughs) The adrenaline rush, if nothing else, will help to keep you awake. So feel free to use any of those in your practice, either for what remains of the retreat or in your practice at home. So that said, then we moved on and we began to talk with about the breath and the body being present with that first of foundations of mindfulness, first of the domains of mindfulness. It's another word to use. And the lovely thing about awareness of the body is that if you are aware of the body, you are in fact in the present moment, kind of a shortcut to the present moment. And then we moved on to talk about the Vedana, the feeling tone that sometimes Things in your practice are pleasant. Sometimes they're downright yummy. Sometimes they're unpleasant or really awful. And sometimes they are neither pleasant nor unpleasant. And noting it can be a way to help train yourself to stay with something, even when it's difficult and even when it's yummy, because of course, Difficulty leads to aversion, and pleasant leads to greed. And that's where, that's why it's so important. It's that link in the chain of suffering. And neither is the place where sometimes we drift off and don't pay attention. 
And then we talked a bit about the mind, the mind heart, being aware of the different things that pass through the emotional storms, sometimes the waves of anger or grief or fear or joy. So just noticing the flavor of your consciousness and of course, noticing thoughts themselves, which can be um, a really helpful practice to begin to disidentify from the thoughts. Just noticing, oh, there's a thought going through and not attaching to it. It's a little bit tricky as a practice because thoughts are so sticky and we get so caught. So today, as we practice, I'd like to give you this image. Sitting there on your chair or cushion or bench, you are like the spider in her web. And you're just, you know how spiders do sometimes. They just hang out. And they're in the middle of the web. But then sometimes something comes along. And they go off to investigate it. And if it's something really interesting, they wrap it up for dinner. So as you're hanging out in your web, your hanging out place is the breath and the body. Just that's the place to start. It's the place to go back to when not too much is going on. But as you're hanging out there, sometimes something comes along. It might be an itch on the end of your nose. Or it might be a sound. Or it might be a strong emotional state. You might suddenly have a memory and a lot of anger. So when that happens, you leave the resting place. Let it drop into the background. And go and investigate the wave of anger. What is itching? What is some other kind of discomfort? What is sound? And you rest with those perhaps a bit because they're really what's in the forefront of your consciousness. And then when they subside, when it's a little less interesting, falls on its own accord back into the background, then returning to the breath and the body. And then maybe something else happens in a little bit, another sound or another wave. Might even be the same wave all over again or similar. And off you go to hang out with it. And just be present. You don't need to figure it out. Just to name it and be there. Anger is like this. Hearing is like this. Itching is like this. Okay, and then back to the breath. So there's no need to struggle to stay with the breath all the time because sometimes something does come along that's stronger. And that's when, like the spider, you go off to investigate. 
let the whole thing be a bit playful and relaxed. If you make meditation a job or a chore, it's not going to bring you back over and over again. Which brings me to what happens to the spider sometimes, because sometimes she falls out of her web. And so sometimes you fall out of your meditation web and get swept away with the story or a line of thought or daydreaming, or maybe you just get really sleepy and go off into some hypnagogic state. So when you wake up, you find that you're not in your meditation web anymore, and you go back, and you begin again. So, of course, probably unlike the spider, you spend a lot of time going back. And it's a hugely important practice, learning to come back. Probably one of the most profound learnings in our practice. Over and over and over. I've often thought of children walking on a log or a curb or a balance beam. And, you know, part of the deal is sometimes you lose your balance and you fall off and they laugh for the most part. So that's a good attitude. If you fall off, it's like, oh my goodness, chuckle at your own practice and then come back and start again. holding yourself gently and with great kindness. Learning to be present, learning presence is such a gift to the world. So what you're doing is a very, very good thing. One breath at a time.
Notice where you are right now. Perhaps resting with breath and body. Perhaps being with other sensations or with some mind state. If you've wandered off and gotten lost, come back, begin again.
There's a poem that very well describes our practice. It's from Galway Canal who says, whatever what is, is, is what I want. Only that, but that. Whatever what is, is, is what I want. Only that, but that. Whatever is present, be with that. This is the way the breath is. This is the way fear is. This is the way being lost in a story is. This is what coming back feels like. One moment at a time, present with whatever is.
Notice where you are right now. Relax into that moment. Notice that it is the way it is. Even before you come back to the breath of the body, if you're lost, notice lostness. If you're with a strong mind state, notice that. If you're with a sensation in the body, with the breath, be with that. Be relaxed and attentive. One moment at a time, being present with the way things are.
I think one of the most wonderful things about this practice of mindfulness is that in an interesting way, it's almost impossible to do it wrong. You can't have the wrong object of your meditation. It really is just as Galway Cannell says, whatever what is, is. So whatever comes along, it's like this. And you give your attention to it. There are practices that are a little fussier, but this one isn't one of them. And so it's really learning to stay present and balanced and alert. And as you all know very well by now, it sounds so simple. (laughs) And it's not easy. It is simple, but it's not easy. And it takes a lot of practice. And I think Bob and JD and I would all be quite happy to say that even after years and years and years of practice, and some of you have had some years of practice too, we know that um, there's still learning and there are some days that go better than others. So in a moment, I'm going to take questions, but there's one other thing I want to tend to. Um, I was reminded yesterday um, by one of you that I had inadvertently used a gendered pronoun when I referred to JD. Um, In my own defense, I live on the island of Hawaii where things are pretty backward, and um, I'm not as practiced at that as I should be. So I would certainly apologize to JD and to any of you that I offended that way. And um, it's a steep learning curve. You all know that. And we're working on it. So I just wanted you all to know that in case anyone else had um, noticed and worried about it. So are there, so maybe I'll also say about the day so you'll know. Um, So, After this, there will be a walking. And then at the sitting that for you is at 11.45, at the end of that sitting, the managers will be coming in and there will be a lot of information about the end of the retreat um, for you to have. And then in the afternoon, there will be a sitting at two. Is that right? As usual. It will only be a half an hour, and it will segue into the closing of the retreat. So in those times are when we're really going to be dealing with reentry and life after the retreat and all of that. So now that you know that, are there any questions about the practice or about something I said uh, yesterday that wasn't clear If you'll just use the mechanical hand raise thing, then I can see who you are. Please, Yaisha. If you'd unmute yourself, dear. Just uh, about the poem that you read, I really, really enjoyed it. And I was trying to write the... I know it was like three lines, but 
I, I looked it up in the um, in the document, and I, it's I not there it. yet. It's not there yet. The poems from yesterday and today will be in the document probably later um, today, as we as I have time to do it. But I I just haven't yet. So yeah, thank you. Oh, it really helped. So thank you. Uh-huh. It's a great poem. I try to bring it to every retreat. So so much and I've really your instructions have really helped thank you thank you thank you Sarah please would you unmute yourself um, I've been trying to figure out the difference between a feeling tone and an emotion um, ah, uh-huh. and myself getting wrapped up in in um, a whole line of thoughts around, you know, what is what. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, huh. it's an interesting question. I mean, mostly for, for the most part, emotions, things like anger and fear and, um, and joy and desire, even lust, um, are their own thing. And they have feeling tones, Right. So the feeling tone is actually the pleasantness or the unpleasantness of it. And it's the place where we get pulled in. So sometimes, sometimes even anger can be pleasant. You know, maybe something's happened and you're really annoyed and it's taking up lots of space in your mind. And it just feels good to be that angry and to be figuring out what you're going to do next. And so you get caught, right? And sometimes... I got really interested at one point. I realized that when I was wandering off in a story, it didn't feel so good. It was kind of unpleasant, which helped me to loosen up from that a bit. So they are different. Um, And I think maybe it will help if you think of pleasantness and unpleasantness as also being qualities of of mind states. Some mind states are pleasant and some are, are unpleasant. Does that help? Very much. Thank you. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, Mary Lou, please. Thank you. Um, I do want to listen to your last night's talk again after the retreat, and perhaps I spaced out during part of it. But if you could clarify, you mentioned when you started, you said intention and view. And Mm -hmm. if I understand correctly, the intention using the metaphor of trying to escape our intention is to escape our um, greed hatred and delusion the with what we're living in and what's the view well that's the question isn't it <laughs> <laughs> i mean the, the there are lots of views in a way right the views are what you begin to see the wise hmm. view is what understanding comes. And so all of you have had wise view because you, you know, there's a way in which you know to practice. You're here, right? And then maybe something comes along and you really get it like, oh my goodness, impermanence. It's so impermanent. You know, I always love to think of things like, where's breakfast? It's gone. You know, it's back there with the dinosaurs. 
And so we begin to understand about impermanence, or maybe it's some insight into the nature of suffering or self. So those are the views. So that in many ways, there are many, many, many views. And what seems to happen is the view gets bigger and bigger and bigger as our practice deepens. So they're both part of the Eightfold Path. So wise view and wise intention are the, are the first two on the list. And they are constantly changing as we work with the other elements of, of that list. So it's not really a linear progression at all. It's very much more a hologram. Does that okay. help? Yes, yeah. it does. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Eric, please. Uh, <clears throat> hi, Mary Grace. Thank you very much. Um, I had a question about uh, walking meditation. And huh? when doing it, um, I was wondering, you know, a lot of what I've been doing has been focusing on the sensations in my feet and lower legs. Um, so it feels more of like a samadhi kind of practice. And I was wondering if there was a way to be mindful of like emotion, you know, of mind states or of the Vedanas. You better. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, mean, I find it hard because I'm moving and I have to, you know, it's, it's hard to multitask basically. Well, don't that's often when I, um, again, you know, it's been so short and we haven't had a chance to really give instructions a lot. Um, I, my recommendation is that if a strong mind state comes up that you stop mm, and mm. don't multitask and give your attention to that mind state and just stand there. So here you are doing standing practice for a moment. Right. And noticing that mind state. And then when it settles down a little bit, when it's not quite so compelling, then you can bring your attention back to walking again, and then you can proceed. Great. It's also true that sometimes, um, and this is really true, like at a place like Spirit Rock or IRC or any place where you're outside, sometimes it's like, whoa, look at that tree or that flower Mm. or whatever. And then you stop. And you open the awareness to that. Conversely, however, if you're really, really working samadhi, because it is a samadhi practice, mm-hmm. then you can, um, I've known people who wear glasses and who are nearsighted who take their glasses off when they're mm-hmm. walking. You know, you keep the view really down so you're not bringing in any of that outside stuff. So a little bit, it's it's where you're wanting to go with your practice at that particular point in time. Great. That's super helpful. Thank you very Great. much. And thanks for all your wisdom and instruction. Thank you. Okay. I think this is the last one. Um, Kumi, please. I want to thank you so very much for, for you and <laughs> your wisdom. And uh, did you say... The difference between feeling and emotion? Feeling tone. See, that's, that's, Vedana is, I, I, it's helpful to use the word Vedana because it's, and we, and it gets translated feeling. And the problem is that people confuse it with what we normally refer to in our culture and in the English language as feelings. So it's not your feelings. It's not your anger or your sadness or any of those things. It's the feeling tone. It's, so let's leave out tone. It's the, the flavor maybe of your experience that is. So if you take a, a spoonful of something and you put it in your mouth 
and you go, oh, delicious. You know, if you see a flower and it's beautiful, that's a pleasant experience. There may arise some emotions. Maybe it's a flower that you have associated with the funeral of your beloved father or something. And all of a sudden, all the sadness is there. The Vedana is not the sadness. And as I said to the earlier question, the sadness may have its own Vedana. Sometimes sadness is very sweet. You know, sometimes sadness brings up a great deal of love for whoever it was. So the sadness itself might have a somewhat pleasant feeling tone. Or it might be really unpleasant. So they're they're two different things. Does that help? I got (laughs) the story I like to tell about this is that when I was first taught these things, it was taught in a way that I confused them. And I thought that Vedna, that feeling tones were feelings. And so I described it that way in some of my early teachings until some student corrected me and said, why don't you ever talk about the second foundation of mindfulness? I went, but I do. And she said, well, I don't think so. It's not feelings. And I had to go back and clarify. And she was, of course, totally right. That's why you should correct your teachers on occasion. You know, we don't know everything for sure. So, but does that help? That yeah. just so it seems like feeling is the big picture. <laughs> and emotions are part of the feeling or something. Yeah, you could say that. I mean, Vedana is, is not as specific, maybe, as an emotion is. And you might, I would encourage you to just get used to the word Vedana because that keeps us away from the confusion. Yeah? And yes, and you mentioned about, maybe I should ask you later, yeah, about your 10 o'clock on Sunday. Ah, That will come back, that will come up later. Yeah, yeah. That information will be available, yeah. Thank you so much. All right, my dears. So you have really until the sitting this afternoon as a retreat. And I was mentioning to JD and Bob, one of my tricks for being on retreat, which is when it gets down to the last day or so, I just tell myself I have three more days. And so I invite you to have this morning as though it were three more days. Let yourself be in retreat, walking now for a while, then sitting for a bit, and then eating in whatever mindful way you do, and then another sitting, and then we can turn outward, begin to really talk about what happens afterwards. There will be some social time after the retreat ends. We'll leave the Zoom room open so you can hang out if you want. So enjoy your sitting and walking. And when the mind does wander into next week, bring it back. Thank you. Thank you.